even on the rejoins? Those, ah, oh, I want to use the word so badly. I want to say those and it's... I'm just going to have to cut it if you do that. Do you know, uh, it's something that Rafe finds his character exclaims in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Those, it's the F word and then ers at the end. If you can use your imagination and kind of, if you know where I'm heading with it, it's that word. Ah, a bunch of those guys here at WEEI really jerking me around. I hate it. Uh, Sunday Skate, in order of importance, DJ Bean, and then a tie, Ken Laird and Pete Blackburn also here. Don't insult Pete like that. Dealing with life without Joey here. Life without Louis Erickson soon, life without Joey now. Right. Ken, it's not pleasant in either situation. Ken Laird doing an admirable job filling in for Joe McDonald. You can hear Ken and Deej, and I would say in that order, you take top billing in the post-game podcast oh, okay. after I every game that. on WEI.com. You can hear uh, Ken and I do a little Bruins podcast after every game. It's very fun. Uh, last night, the Montreal Canadiens uh, defeated the Edmonton Oilers. Get this. It was their sixth win since December 3rd because the Canadiens uh, have been there's no better other way to put it uh in free fall since uh they stink they, they stink they stink it's their situation right now uh joining us from montreal uh in nhl.com is the great arpin basu arpin how are you i'm well how are you guys i can't believe you guys do this this early on sunday morning i'm so astonished <laughs> and it's by our request too we said they, they gave us the option they said you, you guys want like a weekday show it who, who is up everybody Man, Arpin, it is popping. Fred from New Hampshire. Fred from New Hampshire, Maria from Watertown. The, you should see the phone you can lines. Name, you can name all your listeners? That's great. <laughs> we can, that's the thing. They're not even callers. We just know, yeah, they're just our listeners. Um, so uh, on the Canadians, I guess the, the first question would be, what the hell? What the hell is right? Like, honestly, like, I have never... I've never seen anything like this. I don't even know if there's any precedent for this in like professional sport history. Like it is, it's just, it's been a bizarre couple of months with these guys. And like, have you ever heard of a team that was 19, four and three go on to win five of their next 26 games, or I guess now it's six of their next 27, but it's well, just, it would be like an NHL team or an NFL team starting what? Like 11 and zero, and then just bombing and, I don't know. Yeah. The, the Bengals actually might have done something like that, but uh, I realize Carey Price is important. But I mean, come on, it's it's about more than that. I mean, it's it's really it's been the thing is the really intriguing thing about this for me, who's like you know somewhat of a numbers guy, is that so they started this this thing in on December like on December third when they played the Capitals, and they actually that game against the Capitals like they took it to them, they dominated that game. And lost, and it set this tone for a month of December, where they, where uh, every number that you can look in a game, aside from the score, they night after night dominated really good opponents. Like they did that to Washington, they did it to LA, they did it to Chicago, they did it to St. Louis. Like they're like really quality opponents, and they just killed them and lost every single time. And so, through the month of December. They could justifiably say, "Listen, we're playing well. We're just getting. We're just not getting bounces." And like it sounds like an excuse, but it was true. Hmm. But at some point, mentally, that 
that has an impact on these guys. And so, like, that were, they were just not getting results, and their confidence just went right, like, what just went right in the tank. You know, sorry to use that word, but, you no. know, it's, kind of, it's like the, the big buzzword in Montreal is tank right now. But it did. It went right in the tank, and then in January and February, that wasn't the case anymore. They weren't dominating teams anymore. Then they were just playing legitimately bad and losing and uh, to find themselves now where they are outside of the playoffs and really sort of fighting for their lives for the rest of the season. Ultimately, I mean, what did you think of the goaltending there with uh, with Condon and, and Scrivens? Because, I mean, the, the, the team goals have never been a, a strength of, of this Canadians team of late, but uh, are they getting hung out to dry? Are they a mess defensively? What, what's, what's resulting in all this? Well, I think... Earlier, as I mentioned, like through the first half of this slide, that wasn't the case. They weren't getting adequate goaltending, but they weren't scoring either. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, their shooting percentage was at about 5%, and they were getting about 900 save percentage goaltending. So, you know, add those up. And Not a recipe what, for success. You see what was going on. Yeah. Um, but of late, uh, they've been just they've been having just horrible defensive breakdowns in front of them. And it, what hasn't been the goaltending, it's just been – brain farts for lack of a better term defensively and just let, like giving up really really high quality scoring chances that you know no goaltender would really stop i mean the other night in philly like wayne simmons scored two goals i think the total distance traveled was probably three feet on both of them i mean it was you know so it's it's been happening i mean yesterday against edmonton who i think you know to be generous is like a porous defensive team mm. The Canadians look like an offensive powerhouse, but that just, I think, speaks more to how the Oilers play defense than how the Canadians could score. So, yeah, of late, I would say that the defense has totally let the goaltending down, and with the goaltending that they have, they just can't do that. With the with the regular goalie in, you can get away with mistakes, but with the goaltending they've had, the one thing I'll say is that without Carey Price, when you make a mistake, it's in your net. Well, yeah. There's no mistakes that are forgiven, you know, so... And that, that's another thing that impacts confidence because then when you're afraid of making mistakes, you're not going to win. Yeah, I mean, with the the other guy, Carey Price, the name of the game almost for them is it's okay to be in our own zone because, one, A, the puck's not going to go in, and B, once we force them to make a mistake, we're gone and we we're, we got an odd man rush and we have a really good scoring opportunity. They, they can't play that that way. I mean, is, is Terry and coaching differently to to adapt to that or are they unable to do that because they've played a certain way in front of Carey Price for so long? Well, the funny thing is is that over the offseason, um, the Canadian's hired an analytics consultant, Matt Pepper, who's really you know sort of respected in the analytics community and did some work with the Ottawa 67s, worked with Hockey Canada, and they had they made, and Terry has admitted this, they made a, a organizational decision that they were going to become a better possession team, and they did that. Mm. They became they became a top five possession team in the league over the summer, which they've always been a bottom third right. possession team in the past. So they figured if we do this, plus we have Carey Price and Nets, this should be a winning combination, which is you know in theory a great idea. Um, but now it's so now they're doing that. They are actually spending more time in the opposing end than they do their own. Um, but again, without Carey Price, they don't like opposing teams don't need to spend that much time in the Canadians and score a goal. Right. So that's what's been the most frustrating thing for I think for these guys is that they they set a goal for this season, which was to become a better possession team, 
And Michelle Therrien actually, like, referred to their rank. He said, we went from 22nd to 3rd not so long ago. And I was just like, I thought it was in the Twilight Zone. Like, <laughs> Michelle Therrien is making, you know, specific analytics references in his press conference. I'm like, where am I? Michelle, this, this, I if if I heard thing. Michelle Therrien say a smart thing, I would say, <laughs> where am I? Well, yeah. I mean, that was kind of it. And so, you, you know, this was the guy who always sort of poo-pooed anything we mentioned about, you know, possession time or... Or, you know, spending too much time in your own end. He's like, listen, this is, you know, they were a counter-strike team, which is what he would always kind of say, a counter-attack team. And, you know, they decided that they were not going to be that anymore. They were going to be a possession team, and they did it, and it's blown up in their face. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's hard to, for them, they've kind of achieved their goal, and it's led to, you know, one of the worst stretches in franchise history, and, and I would suggest one of the weirdest slumps I've ever seen probably the weirdest slump I've ever seen. I've never. How do you go from 11 points up in your division and love and life, and then winning you know five games over the next eight weeks? It just it's it's a really really bizarre turn. What's the general feeling up there in regards to Terry? And are, are fans ready to see the team make a change or no? Well, yeah, but I mean the thing with Terry here is that he he's always been sort of untouchable because of his results. I mean, you look at his record since he took over here, and it's a great record. And this is the irony, is that there's always been like, well, look at his rec- look at his record. And how do you criticize a coach when he has a record like that? Now, you say, well, now all of a sudden it's about, you know, all the other stuff aside from the record. He's making, arg- he's making analytics arguments. He's, you know, he's saying we're, we're outplaying teams, we're just not getting wins. And so... On the base of the, on the basis of that, you should say, okay, well, the coach is doing actually a better job. They're just not they're just not winning. They're just kind of in a bad rut here. Um, but there's always there's always this underlying sentiment in Montreal that, that Terrian's not the guy. And you know, I don't entirely disagree with that. He's not the guy to take them to the next level. Um, but when something like this happens, it obviously becomes it becomes you know sort of a roller coaster of getting get rid of the coach. Mark Bergevin has kind of painted himself into a corner by giving him, you know, the ultimate vote of confidence and saying no matter what happens this season, he's not getting fired. He actually said those words. Um, and then they went on to lose, like, back-to-back to Columbus. <laughs> and then they said, oh, yeah. Against Toronto. <laughs> I mean, they, they played like they played just – they're actually ending t- today against Carolina, this run of teams who are not in the playoffs. And they had lost pretty much every game until yesterday when – you know, they beat the Oilers. So, um, but it looks like Terry's going to finish the season at the very least. And he just got a contract extension. So, um, but I think it'd be fair to say that, like, over the course of the next, you know, few weeks or until the end of the season, Terry is probably fighting for his job here. Arpin, will the Canadians be sellers at the deadline? That's hard to say because the thing with Carrier Price is, you know, how do you really decide what you're going to do this season until you know for sure that Carey Price is back or he won't be back. So I think in the next week, if they decide to shut Carey Price down and say that he's just not coming back, that will be their admission that they're going to be sellers. And so personally, I think what they're going to do is that they're just not going to do anything. They're not going to be buyers and they won't be sellers. And they're going to say, listen, this is our group. You guys get out of this. And then if Carey Price comes back, we can sneak into the playoffs. Maybe we can do some damage. But, you know, I don't think they're going to double down and invest in this team. 
but I also don't think they're going to send a message to their room that we've given up because the team is not that bad. I mean, you know, objectively speaking, this is not a bad team, and it's definitely not a five wins in eight weeks team. So um, I think it would be hard for Mark Bergevin to go into his room and say, listen, I'm giving up. So if anything, I think they'll stand pat. They might maybe get rid of, like, one impending, you know, UFA, but I doubt they're going to be very active at the deadline. It sounds <clears throat> it sounds almost, Arpin, like the Bruins last season, where kind of out of nowhere they fall off, and, yeah, there are reasons you can point to it. Last year you could say, well, they're weak on, on D, they lost Boychuk, they lost Aginla, but generally they still have very, very good players and should be much better than now. And that's pretty much what the Bruins did. I mean, they ended up making a hockey trade for – for Brett Conley, but they didn't end up selling off Soderberg. They didn't end up making a big splash for for any sort of player. I mean, the Canadians, if they want to, if they can't figure it out, they're still what five points out of a, a a playoff spot. Which in the Eastern Conference, normally you'd say, oh well, if you're not in a playoff spot by Thanksgiving, then you're not going to make the playoffs. Even though the Leafs are always in a playoff spot in Thanksgiving <laughs> and they never make the playoffs, but uh, you, you could make that argument that it's too tough to make up the ground. If I'm the Canadians, I think, man, if we can ever pull our heads out, we still can get in the playoffs. Yeah, and, I mean, the caveat, like, I mean, the, 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 like, the elephant in the room there is, like, every morning, Carey Price is on the ice. And, but no one seems to have a firm handle on when he's going to be back or if he's going to be back. So that's the big wild card with this team. Like, it's hard to make a decision to go for it or not or, or stand pat or do whatever, to make any decision whatsoever at the deadline when you don't know when your best player is going to be back and, you know, arguably the best player in the league is going to be back. And so for them, I think it would be a reasonable thing to do to say, listen, we're not going to start spending draft picks or anything to help you guys out. You guys got into this situation. You guys have to get out of it. But if you guys get into the playoffs, we have this guy who can potentially come back. And in order to get into the playoffs, he could actually maybe come back and trigger a run here. So, I mean, you never want to, like, you never want to depend on one guy to totally turn around what has been, you know, an unmitigated disaster for the last two months. But if there is one guy in the league who could do that, right. it's probably Carey Price. Yeah. So it's tough to say that they can't do it when they're sitting on this potential gold mine coming back all of a sudden and – sending them on this ridiculous run to, to end the season. So I don't think at this point, I don't think anyone in the city really sees that happening, but you can't say it's impossible. I'm telling you, the Bruins are going to monitor the hell out of this Canadian situation because they're probably deciding themselves whether or not they're buyers, sellers, or whatever. And I think that if they have it on good authority or feel confident enough that the Canadians will not be in the playoffs, they'll be like, eh, Really, we only have to worry about the Capitals then, and everybody else is just as bad as we are. So I think that if the Canadians make the playoffs and the Bruins are like, all right, now we've got two teams that that we should feel confident something bad is going to happen against. So, uh, yeah, that the Canadians could do wonders for the Bruins' <clears throat> playoff chances, or it could trick the Bruins into being buyers and then crashing and burning in the first round. So, and the funny, and, but the funny thing about that is that can you be totally confident that the Capitals are not going to? Stink in the playoffs. Oh, I am so like, I mean, based on their history. Like I mean, I've, they're a fantastic team. I know, but I, I mean, don't know what they're going to be like in the playoffs. You know, last two years I've been so all in on the Capitals, and this, this year's got to be the year, just because the the Eastern Conference sucks so bad. If they don't it's like saying this if is they the San Jose's year, the Sharks, it, they're good this year. Well, if they if they don't do it this year, they're never going to do it. 
Well, I mean, you just hope they stay healthy, and you you hope that I mean, do what teams do at the deadline. Load up on as many D as possible. It, like as long as the Capitals equip themselves for a long playoff run, there's no way they can't win the Eastern Conference. Yeah, those, these are words that have been said before. <laughs> I, I know, I know, you but know, like, I, I, I so sw- you, don't, you just don't know. I mean, listen, I have full confidence that the Capitals are going to represent the East in the Stanley Cup Final. Like, I have no. The only doubt I have in that is that they're the Washington Capitals. Like, that's the only thing. It's not a rational argument, you know. Like, there's no reason objectively to look at them and say, well, they should lose to any team in the East, but. There's a big butt there. Yeah. Know? So like we gotta we gotta wait and see. And you know if they go and if they go out and like manage to get like a Dustin Bufflin or something, then you know should be game over. But yeah, past you know history suggests that something weird is gonna happen to those guys. All right. Well, thank you very much, Arpin, for for joining us. Uh, this has been absolutely lovely. Uh, enjoy <laughs> today's game against the who they got today? The Hurricanes. They got the Hurricanes. That should be yeah. a barn burner. So this is. I, I like, <laughs> I would go so far as to say, like, their season is basically on the line today. Wow. Like, this is, like, they had to sweep this weekend in order to make it a realistic proposition to make the playoffs. And so they, they did part one, and they did it pretty convincingly, but today's the real test. <laughs> the Canadian season on the line in a Sunday in February against the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what this season has come to for the Montreal Canadiens. Man, oh, man. Well, thank you very much, Arpin. Uh, yeah, enjoy today's game. All right, my pleasure, guys. All right, thanks, Arpin. Uh, that's Arpin Basu of NHL.com. Um, he's excellent, and he illustrated just how scary things are in Montreal. I mean, we we think that we've got things bad here watching the Bruins. It's, I mean, we didn't even get to it. People are talking about trading PK Subban, not the Canadians, but wow. crazy fans and and. Media bring it up. It, it, it's nuts over there. Yeah, but I bet if we were in Montreal, we'd have a better time slot than 7 to 9 a.m. <laughs> oh, that's a very good point. All right, uh, we're going to come back with the final segment of uh, Sunday Skate. If you got one last call you want to squeak in, 617-779-7937. Otherwise, you guys can talk to Chris Price and Danny Picard after us. That's going to be a much better show. So, yeah, Sunday Skate, WEI.